0: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast.
1: I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss the phenomenal rise of chat GPT and artificial intelligence. Joining us is Ian S. Thomas, who is a bestselling creator and author of numerous books, including his most recent work, The I Wrote This For You, an experimental pioneering prose and photography project. Ian is also the creative director at Virtue, which is powered by Vice Media, and he's specifically focused on Web3, Metaverse, and all things related to marketing, the Coca-Cola brand. Yesterday, Ian and I talked about how ChatGPT is revolutionizing culture. And today we're going to continue the conversation talking about ethical questions posed by artificial intelligence. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Ian S. Thomas, the author of What Makes Us Human. Ian, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thank you for having me. Excited to have you back on the show. You know, we had a great conversation yesterday about the uses of artificial intelligence and technology and not just its impact on business, but its impact on culture broadly. There's going to be a tremendous amount of change. People might be talking to authors that don't even live anymore. You can ask questions to artificial intelligence and get answers on almost anything from almost anyone. And that not only means a business impact, but it also means a big cultural impact. I want to talk a little bit about the ethics of artificial intelligence. This is a tough conversation to have because I don't think anybody has the answers, but you've been researching this topic for multiple years if computers can learn and can automate processes and potentially replace people in business, and then there's huge cultural impacts as well, how should the people that are the proprietors and the trainers of that technology make sure that we're doing good, not harm, with the technology wave that is not going to be stopped?
2: I think the thing that I keep coming back to is involving as many people in the conversation as possible. So that it is an informed conversation with multiple points of view if you look at the specifically artistic illustrative community that community is reacting to what's happened with image generation quite vitrally and i know that open ai specifically has a program focused on artist outreach where they literally go and find artists across the world and go hey this is what we're doing how can we make this tool useful for you how can we involve you and that's positive and i think that The only way that we get to a usable solution to this is by involving everyone. If you look at the rise of something in music, like sampling and scratching specifically gave birth to the rise of hip hop, which is obviously one of the most profound cultural forces that's existed over the past 50 years. In fact, this year is the 50 year anniversary of the birth of hip hop. AI is like a cultural turntable, it can take what already exists and connect it and remix it in all these different profound ways, which is great, it's going to give people incredibly beautiful new ways to express themselves. But like with sampling, we have rules and regulations, ways in which people receive revenue for their creative output that's used by other people. We don't have that yet for AI. I'm not sure if we should have it. Maybe we should be having the conversation around it at a legislative level. The challenge, of course, is that the legal system tends to lag a long time behind these kinds of developments. So getting people involved, I think that's the first step. And I think that's kind of done almost to a large degree with something like ChatGPT, where now everyone over the next year is going to be speaking about this.
1: I'm going to put you on the spot here. Sure. Ian, congratulations. I, as the host, producer, and founder of the Martech podcast, wave my magic wand, and I deem you to be the czar of artificial intelligence, and you are responsible for setting up the primary rules and regulations to make sure that artificial intelligence is used ethically. What's the first thing that goes through your head of what you need to do in your new job?
2: Well, the first thing I would do is work out what I would call a master prompt for the artificial intelligence systems that I would be um, working with. A set of language which describe to the AI what ethics look like, create abundance for the people around you, do not hurt people protect people's interests as far as possible, whatever that paragraph of text that kind of benefited humanity the most. And I actually am working on something like that almost as a creative project somewhere in the background. The second thing I would do in this magic land where thank you for your magic wand. I I appreciate the freedom to, (laughs) to do that.
1: No, it's your role. You're the czar now. Go ahead.
2: Sure. I would look at things like taxing artificial intelligence where a lot of the research a lot of the development a lot of the creation of these tools comes out of universities comes out of public institutions obviously there's a lot of private work as well but these technologies are going to create incredible abundance and i don't think we want to live in a society where this abundance flows to a select few and everyone else is effectively subject to some kind of serfdom So I think we need to look at a way in which these incredible developments benefit society broadly, and we move on to whatever the next stage of society looks like. This feels like crazy talk. I understand that.
1: No, I actually think it's really interesting where your head went, look, this is a thought exercise. And your head went to hey, first thing we need to do is train the artificial intelligence on what ethics is. So the artificial intelligence works within the boundaries of what we already consider to be ethical behavior. Logical. I have some questions about what's the definition of ethics and thou shalt not do any harm. Seems great, but people are going to use artificial intelligence to do harm. And you could talk about governments of using artificial intelligence to protect their country, I'm sure, in the same way that we've used social media, in a sense, for warfare as well, or propaganda, maybe not warfare. The second portion that you said was essentially democratizing the usage of the artificial intelligence, that it is meant to be a solution for all and can't be proprietary to the people that are creating it. And it's an interesting concept to me. You know, I think about the rise of the internet, which to me is the closest proxy for what's coming with artificial intelligence. And there were some rules put in place that are now being challenged in federal court. What can social media companies get away with? Who's responsible for publishing the content? But it wasn't like everybody immediately had access to the internet because it existed. You had to be able to pay your $49 Comcast fee to be able to get, you know, you got to buy your iPhone. It's not completely democratized. How do you think about keeping people incented to work on and innovate when it comes to the development of artificial intelligence while also keeping that access free and open?
2: I think the cost of access to artificial intelligence approaches zero very quickly. Once you've actually trained the different models, which is expensive, the actual cost of running those models is relatively minuscule. For OpenAI, I give them a few cents every time I run a thousand different tokens. I don't even know what it is. I, I, can, I barely even register it on my credit card. If you were running some kind of a copywriting startup or some kind of chat-focused startup that used their API significantly, you would be looking at a significant bill, but nothing that would break the bank. So a lot of that work has been done. I mean, look, it is an age old question. How do you look at something like capitalism and socialism and how capitalism is obviously incredible for incentivizing people and to create incredible things. And I'm a big fan of capitalism, but I also think that we should brace ourselves for moving on to whatever the next phase of society looks like. The five day work week is a relatively recent invention in terms of how we function. There's places in the world where they're testing the four-day work week. I think that the rise of this kind of automation should benefit all of us. I think that there are still ways to incentivize people to strive for success and invention without the benefits of that success being infinite. Potentially, I can't remember who it was who said it, but once you're a billionaire, you get a statue in a park and you get her name on a plaque and that's it. (laughs) Anything after that goes back. I don't know if you need more than a billion dollars. Do you? I don't know.
1: It's interesting with all of the automation that's potentially coming here with the rise of artificial intelligence, the amount we have to work, the amount that we are training the algorithms is going to decrease over time, meaning we have to work less because our jobs will be automated. So what are we going to do? I think that's a real question long term.
2: I'm being idealistic about it. There's been people who for decades have predicted with all this technology, why would we work more? But I think we all do work a ridiculous amount if I look around me at society broadly. But I think that no technology has had or will have the profound impact that artificial intelligence will have.
1: As the czar of artificial intelligence, can I be your advisor for a moment? Sure, go for it. I'd like your reaction to this. Here's one of my biggest concerns when it comes to artificial intelligence, understanding reality versus augmented reality. How do you think that as sort of an ethical quandary of people using artificial intelligence to pose as someone else or blur the lines between what is actual reality? How would you handle that as the czar of AI?
2: I thought you were going to be my advisor.
1: Uh, Raising my concern as your advisor. (laughs) I don't know how to handle this, and I need your help because you're the man holding the magic wand now.
2: I don't know. I think it's an important thing to be concerned about, that blurring of the line between what's real and unreal. And I mean, if you look at the way AI works currently, you can kind of compare it to, as an example, the rise in fidelity with computer monitors. I'm sure you potentially remember when you had a computer and it was a monochrome screen and then it was an EGA and then you got a VGA and then Super VGA and eventually you got HD on your phone, which used to be a Nokia and have like an LCD display.
1: Now people are literally cardboarding
2: phones to their face. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But I can look at AI and I can see the parallel there. If I look at what I've seen over the last two years, if I look at the text to image generations, what things were like six months ago versus what they're like today, it's profoundly different. So I think you're effectively asking me, like, how do we make sure people don't walk onto a Star Trek like Holodeck and then never leave?
1: I'm actually thinking about deception. How do I know if I'm talking to a person or if I'm talking to a bot? How do I know if the system I'm interacting is ingesting data from a source which may or may not be clean data so I can trust it or not? It's actually the ethical question of what's true, what's right, what's wrong, and what's reality is really what I'm getting at.
2: I mean, I think in the same way that we label food products in a grocery store, there should probably be some kind of disclaimer in terms of who you're interacting with. I'm sure there will be bad actors, Do you remember the reaction people had to what Google did on stage? The one year when they had the AI phone and book the hairdressing appointment. Did you see that Uh people reacted like in a very big way because the AI had fooled this receptionist at this hairdresser into thinking that she was talking to another human. The AI was like, well, can you do Tuesday? What about five o'clock? And then it added it to the person's calendar or whatever. And I think because they did that, because people saw it, people started writing things on social media, people started engaging with it. And that's people being involved in the conversation and saying, you know what, if I'm talking to an AI, I would like to know that I'm talking to an AI. If I'm engaging with different kinds of things that may or may not be real, I would like to know what is and isn't real. Unless I'm playing a video game and maybe I want to be fooled for a while. But you know, it's not real if you're turning on a video game. You do. Look, how do you defeat bad actors in that space? I don't know. I don't have that answer. People fool people every day with scams from across the world where it's like, put your credit card details here and invest with Elon Musk or, you know, whatever it is. I don't know. I don't have a solve for that one.
1: I used to work in a laundry and dry cleaning delivery startup. Hmm. And the methodology that we took towards building a better customer experience was stopping the death by a thousand cuts you need to understand what a problem is and then find a small point solution for it. There is no individual answer for questions that are this large. How do you make the best dry cleaning experience? There's not just one answer to that. And the same thing with artificial intelligence. How do you make it so we have transparency? How do you make it so we have equal access? These are things that not only in this example. The self-appointed czar of artificial intelligence is going to need to answer. It's also going to be legislation, and it's going to be the people that are going to decide. And that wraps up this episode of the Martech podcast. Thanks to Ian Thomas, the author of What Makes Us Human, for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with Ian, you could find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is real Ian S. Thomas. That's the word real. Ian is spelled I-A-I-N-S Thomas. Or you can visit his website at iansthomas.com Again, it's Ian I-A-I-N-S-Thomas.com.